0: Hi, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. This week, we're talking about dress codes. So, what even is dress codes? Basically, it's an accepted way of dressing for a particular occasion or for a particular social group. So there's an expectation that you look a certain way, there's a standard that's met, there are restrictions and there are things that you can and can't do. And so let's be honest, dress codes have in return become something that affects different groups of people um, differently at different rates, right? So we have dress codes that are sexist. I mean, I remember I went to a uniform school for high school, so my experience with dress codes is is colored and, like, different by that. And a lot of the issues were around um, interpretation, right? My school would constantly tell us that, like, we weren't allowed hats because that was in the dress code and then also be like, you can't wear scarves but it's not in the dress code, and we're so heavily pointing to the dress code, but we're not following the dress code, but I'm being affected by this dress code. Kinda crazy. So we know that girls, for instance, are policed at a higher rate, and that just basically means that, like, people are watching them and telling them what they can and can't do. So dressing, you know, you hear the common statement about, like, you need to cover-up so you're not distracting boys. Okay. So if I run with you on this statement and we're worried about our effect on boys, then possibly, I don't know, shouldn't we also be worried about the distraction that you saying I'm a distraction causes on me? I mean, if I have to leave my classroom so that I can fix my headscarf or I have to fix my outfit or whatever, or like not apply lip gloss in class because my lips are dry and because somehow it's a sexual act... Me applying my lip gloss. Um, And if I have to stop all those acts so that I can live life, you're policing me. And even though in some respects I feel like, you know, we often sit and we're like, no, no, but dress codes are good. Like, what do you mean, Zoya? Like, come on, man. Are you serious? There's always an issue with something. You're always fighting about something. Well, listen. (laughs) If you were the one who was being told that you couldn't wear so many things in different settings, like, all the time, that, like, your identity is constantly being, like, combated, you would be upset too. You would be upset too when you can see that other people aren't being held to the same standard that you are. And that's often where I think the problem lies. Not in the standard itself, but in the fact of who gets, like, affected by this standard. Who's being told... What to do by this standard? Who's the most influenced by these standards? And what do we often find? It's the marginalized people, right? Um, I saw this statement um, worded this way, and I really don't remember where, but like I saw this statement worded this way, and I thought that it was important that dress codes criminalize men and they sexualize women. Now, obviously, that's a binary type statement but we also know that often the world perceives us in a binary, so even though we're fighting against it, it doesn't mean that it's not, like, affecting us. But think about it. I mean, we've obviously named, like, so many stories before, but Black boys are often criminalized, right, when it comes to them dressing with a hood, and they're often been told this rhetoric of, like, be careful. You know you're not allowed to wear this. You should wear this. You shouldn't wear this. These are the things you should look out for. And women are sexualized with their their dress code because it's often, oh my gosh, her shoulder is out. Why don't we fix the issue of predators and stop putting the blame on victims? We're saying that is your responsibility to work overtime and figure out whether or not um, your outfit will be a distraction. And if it is, if if somebody in this area or group is deemed that it is a distraction, they have the right to send you away or cover up your outfit. I don't know about you, but it takes me so much time to pick an outfit. Ask any of my roommates (laughs) or my friends. Um, It takes me so much time to pick an outfit. I put a lot of thought and consideration into what I wear and how I look and how I dress. I'm telling you, if somebody, if I had to put on one of those dirty stinking tees over my shirt. Because I decided I'm not wearing a bra because I shouldn't have to. And you've now told me that I need to. And you're trashing my outfit? I'm upset. You know what I also think is funny? This rhetoric around the mask, right? We often talk about our rights. What's owed to us and what we deserve. And so we talk about that, but in the same conversation with masks, it is not somebody else's right to tell us what to wear. It's not distracting not to have some... I am distracted when I pull up in the elevator and there is an individual in the elevator already, right? Like I have to get to work and so I take the um, the bus and then the train or light rail train or whatever. But the point is I take it and I take the elevators to get to the second story because... Or the third story, because I am not doing the little runaround like a little rat (laughs) in that mall. Regardless, I take the elevator. But sometimes when I'm hopping on the elevator, first of all, they want to pack everybody in there like sardines. Like, I want to go back to when there was a limit. The elevator is full. We don't need to be shoulder to shoulder. Get out. Wait your turn. This, my friends, is the time where you engineers need to step up and speed up those elevators. Yes, there comes a point where we say that, yes, I think that you should consider people around you and that, like, care and consideration is something that is important. But you know what I think is more important? Not encroaching on other people. Do you want to know what I think is more important? Is that these codes or dress codes have been used to target certain people purposely. And so when these people speak out about it, it looks like they're the problem because you're just sitting here saying, well, don't wear that short skirt to school. But it's not really about the short skirt, it's about the principle behind the short skirt. That somehow that the male counterpart in my class's education is more important than my education. That I have to get up and leave to change my skirt because he can't focus. Instead of changing the framework around consent where we say that why have we decided that an article of clothing has somehow indicated in, um, someone's like level of consent why is a teacher (laughs) pointing out no oh my goodness I literally just had a moment I remember we were having this discussion about like dress codes in school one time and I kind of made that comment and my teacher who was a male had kind of resented the statement being like well it's not fair of you to like ask that of me I basically kind of said well like why is the teacher even looking sort of point they're like oh you can't say that and on one hand, I understand that like, okay, like we have eyes and we can see, like obviously I'm 21 now, like I get it. I have eyes and I can see And that the child running around flaunting their sexuality and I mean like exploiting, being exploitive, like they're being exploited, like you understand that, like hello, I'm sorry, like no offense, but the little kids running around on the teen screens having sex for TV show entertainment is weird and creepy and the more you think about it, the more you should like consider that and I would love if Netflix, so if you're listening, Netflix. You should Netflix. You should listen to my podcast. But if you're listening to Netflix, like pick a university story. I'm a university student trying to listen to university stories about university students. Why am I a university student watching stories about high school students doing adult content when you could have adults doing this adult content that you want? <laughs> I am perplexed each time I see it. Um, I I think it's funny too. We dress codes. You know, we think about like clothes, but Hair has often been dress coded and policed. I mean, I will never get over, it, and I will say this fact every minute that I can. You had to have a law in New York, the Crown Act in two thousand and nineteen, to tell employers that it is wrong to discriminate against people's hair. You had to have somebody tell you. We had to put in legislation, right? This act is hap. This thing is happening so much that so we had to put legislation in place to say that it is wrong for you to not employ somebody because of their hair. And as much as um I sometimes feel like not very strongly about issues, I think dress codes are wrong because I think that more often they then see how I can't speak. This is how you know I'm passionate about this. I think dress, dress codes are wrong because more often than not they police groups of people and they do nothing to enhance the experience. We have dress codes in work, for instance, and it's kind of presented the idea where people feel free. I know that like times are changing, so I actually do know this, but like hesitancy with tattoos, for instance, or piercings, and we're like, well, I want to look professional. But what does professional really mean even? And I don't mean that I'm going to pull up a definition and give you a definition. I mean, what does professionalism even mean? I spent this year working remotely, or sorry, the summer, working remotely, even the year with schoolwork. But I spent the summer working remotely and I was able to complete all my tasks in whatever attire I was in. And I mean that um, when there wasn't meetings, like the meetings, the um, dress code was sort of uh, business casual, but it wasn't too enforced. But for when I'm not in meetings, I'm in my own space. I am wearing whatever article of clothing and I was still able to complete my assignments, my work to the standard that it needed to be met at, if not above and beyond. Because, you know, your girl puts a little, extra, <laughs> a little extra spice. No, I'm joking. But um, I'm not. I did good. <laughs> I enjoyed that job. But my point is to say, nothing about my work changes. My quality of work doesn't change because I wore a tank top to set up at my computer. We've sexualized the body and that is the problem. Because if we didn't sexualize the body, it wouldn't matter what was being worn because the work was done. And obviously... Because somebody's going to come in on some, well, protective gear. Yeah, okay. That's dressing appropriate for the setting. That's the difference than, like, dress codes where they've said, like, you have to fit this criteria because we want a certain environment. Not we are trying to protect you for your safety. Like, if dress code was like, hey, we actually don't want you wearing a short skirt and you have to wear pants because there's... Um, hot oil, like that makes sense because you're put at danger, but we're put at danger because we sexualize the body, and so you're constantly having to be on lo- on alert for like potential predators because we've sexualized the body. But if we weren't sexualizing the body, then we wouldn't have to protect ourselves from what? From what? Because I feel a hella comfortable in my crop top, okay. So I kind of want to touch on this dress codes at restaurants because dress codes are kind of in lots of spaces. Um, and so there's this story of Kalan and, um, Kober and her husband, William Johnson. And so they're going out to dinner in Atlanta. They're living the life and they go to this restaurant for sushi and they're turned away. And when they're turned to like question on why they're turned away, it's because the husband was wearing these Nike Air Force ones. And now you're saying, okay, well, Zoya, that is the dress code. And if a restaurant says that's the dress code, well, Zoya, that is the dress code. And I hear you. I do. I hear you loud and clear. But what the, the, the restaurant also did was allow a white lady to sit at the bar with some sneakers. And so the same conversation that was being had at the front about sneakers not being allowed in the restaurant was the same situation that was already happening in the restaurant. And that lady was being served. So Johnson was turned away, but the lady wasn't. And when it was pointed out that this lady is already seated and being served, she pointed out that, or sorry, not she, the assistant manager pointed out that her shoes were dress sneakers. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that rich, like super, super rich people have like an eliteness that. It's like you don't know what clothes you're wearing and it's like so the regular regular person on the day would just be like they're wearing like a white t-shirt but people who are in their circles would know that they're wearing a white t-shirt from XYZ. But let's be honest that was not one of these situations because the owner was ready to call the cops. (laughs) Was ready to call the cops on Johnson and I laugh because of how common this is. Not because of its comedy, its irony. It is irony that a woman can sit in the establishment and not pose a threat in sneakers, and that we've somehow coined this term that they're dress sneakers to make them different than these Air Force sneakers that this gentleman is wearing who happens to be black. And then we get to the, Zoya, you make race about everything. Soya, everything you talk about is about race. Free yourself. No, free yourself. Actually, educate yourself, because the more you learn about the world and how these institutions at their foundation were put in place to stop people, how could you ever not want to break them down? Why would you ever not want to understand them? If you're enforcing a rule such as there are no sneakers at my establishment, then there are no sneakers at my establishment. Not that my white customers, clients, can't wear them. Or can wear them and my black ones can't there's a problem with that and so we use coded language right so that we can target certain customers the black ones by using words like no athletic attire who popularized athletic attire and that's why I think it's 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 so funny that like this whole chuggy thing popped up where it's like oh my gosh these shoes are chuggy. why has these elements of, like, Black culture have been, like, taken out, adopted into mainstream media, and then when they're tired of it, they've, like, thrown it out and said, like, no one can wear it. It's it's over now. Or you have the sneaker, you know, um, industry being, like, rapidly... It's rapidly changed because of the way consumerism has happened. We've changed the way this scope is and then thrown back and said, you're not allowed to wear it at our restaurants. We took your culture... Wore it when we thought it was cool and fashionable for our little concerts and performances. And, you know, you got the little songs, what my J's on. Right? We'd taken it and it was fun. It was popular. And then we thrown it back in your face and said, you're not allowed to come in our restaurants and wear these things. A jacket is required. Cocktail attire only. But we get to dabble in your culture. We get to dabble in your environments. But we get to, to box you out when we don't want to. Anyway, it's not anyway, but I mean, anyway, I'm moving on to my next point. So Reuben A. Buford May is the author of Urban Nightlife, Entertaining Race, Class, and Culture in Public Spaces. And so his book basically talks about how the targeting of Black patrons kind of happens in the 70s, because we've been introduced this idea where we're not allowed to discriminate people based on their race anymore, at least not legally, not in the legal sense. But we do anyway. And so what we have to do is now find new ways of um, targeting people without overtly targeting them. So it's a secret. And so we invent dress codes. We've codified them, and we said, "Wear you're only allowed to cocktail attire and jackets." But what do we know? That we've created environments where people are not only separated by race, but also class. So who are these people who are allowed to buy these cocktail attires? I mean, think about even functionality. Why would a family who doesn't attend, I don't know, like events all the time and their money is tight, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Like, yes, we say three months of rent, but let's be honest, that's not possible for everybody. And so you're with this um, family that's living paycheck to paycheck and they're supposed to have cocktail attire? Casually? Casually cocktail attire that they don't wear and they have bills that need to be paid. But you're only allowed in this restaurant if you have cocktail attire. We've created a divide. And and who are these people who are in these positions and these jobs that have cocktail attire, attire? What's the demographic look like? And when you think about these things, you're realizing that these dress codes, they target specific people. And certain people are exempted from these dress codes or certain people are barely affected by this dress code. If you have the money to literally, you show up at a restaurant and you find out, oh, I'm not allowed to wear these shoes, but you have the money to run across the street and go to the store and buy the shoes that are for the dress code, you're allowed in this, like, a little elite group. Your experience is now different. And then you have restaurants that make specific edits to their dress codes that allow for athletic wear before 10 p.m. And then they start banning it, and they put in things like excessive baggy clothes. Who popularized those things? Who's known for those things? They point out things like your pants must be worn at the waist. Now, there's like a direct history of why, you know, pants and like sagging or whatever was even a thing. And I don't want to talk about it in like this episode per se. But, or I'm saying per se, babe's not talking about it in this episode. But my point is, you're pointing out these dress codes, you have these specific language that you're using. And who are these people that typically get targeted by it? If your large demographic, if there's a large demographic that are being targeted by these words, you're, it's not a dress code, it's segregation, discrimination. And so these owners will point out that there, there's a need for an upscaleness atmosphere or environment, but at the cost of what? To make your environment upscale, what do you have to exclude? Who do you have to exclude? How does that make you feel knowing that you're purposely excluding? When I found out that, and I know that they've recently changed their mandates or whatever, but it it doesn't sit right with my soul anyway. When I found out that Abercrombie & Fitch's owner, like what, 10 years ago, had made the comment that he's like making clothes for popular people that look like him, white, Blonde. Sorry, I'm giving the characteristics of what he looks like so you know because he said looks like him. That's coded language. So if somebody looks like you, I'm going to now take the um, features of you and call them out. And I don't match those. So I don't look like you. You're white, you're blonde, you're skinny, you're middle. Well, he wasn't middle class. You're upper class. And I'm naming off these intersections of your identity and they don't match mine. And you make clothes for people who look like you. And this is honestly why some scholars would argue that colorblind racism, this idea that like I'm not racist because I don't believe in color, but like still codifying or like, you know, overtly putting in these legislations or ideas that affect like a certain demographic, is more malicious than overt racism practices because at least the racism was in your face. I mean, okay, I don't know how I feel yet. I'm like, both suck. Can we actually have no racism? Because. Um, but I will say that coded racism or like ugh, hidden racism sucks because you be confused. It flips on your head. You're sitting here confused, wondering what's going on. But at least when somebody calls you a slur out front, you're like, "Oh yeah, racism." Microaggressions got you sitting here like, "Am I sensitive? Is it me? Am I the problem?" No, babes, never. <laughs> Dress codes suck. Let's get rid of them. Let's ban them. I want to be able to be nips-free in the wind and nobody's out here telling me my outfit is inappropriate. I think that, yes, that you should dress for occasions. But I think that it's sensibility and not dress codes that should rule you. It's cold. You should wear a jacket because it's cold. You shouldn't be wearing a jacket because I'm only allowed into this area with a jacket. That makes no sense to me. Except with a mask. Put a mask on. There's your public health safety for the day. Wear a mask. Sanitize, wash. Wash your body fully with soap. Public health, doing my part to keep the community well. Well, um thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. That was the episode and I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for next time. Bye.